Welcome, everybody, to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Jacob Brood. Jacob, got to say, I think of of anybody who took, you know, any non-athlete who took professional hits this weekend, you're probably up there, right? Like LeBron, <laughs> Lamelo, Lonzo might get traded. Lonzo was hurt today, too. Lonzo got uh, hurt, too. It was a... I mean, we were just talking before... Before we went on what a weird weekend um yeah it was staples center might be cursed um yeah. especially saturday lebron gets hurt um who knows how long he's going to be out Lamelo fractures his wrist probably done for the year i don't know who put the hex on the staples center but they might want to go have Kyrie burn some sage around it before uh the lakers play in it again yeah just anything any anything whatsoever. <laughs> um, all right. So today's show, we got to talk about LeBron's injury. We have to talk about uh, the the post LeBron world and what the Lakers look like in their first post LeBron game. Uh, we are going to talk about the trade deadline, which is coming up on uh, the twenty fifth, and and obviously, you know. So let's let's actually start here with the Lakers next two weeks games. Uh, you have at New Orleans. Again, at home against Philly, uh, that uh, coincides with the trade deadline. At home against Cleveland, at home against Orlando, at home against Milwaukee, and then at the Kings, and then back at Staples Center for a quote-unquote away game against the Clippers. I'm seeing two wins? Yeah, it's... Uh... There's never a good time to lose your two best players, but that is a brutal stretch of games that they're going to have to play down um, LeBron and AD. I mean, I would imagine they could win two of the Cavs, Magic, and Kings games. Um, outside of that, I would be stunned if they won any of those other games. I mean, we saw tonight – against the Suns kind of I think this is pretty much what the team's going to be going forward is just a team that plays hard but is undermanned and like mm-hmm. they just don't have enough um so maybe you catch one of those teams by surprise or something because they're out west on a road trip and you get a upset that way but outside of that I just don't think they have enough firepower against most of those teams right now it's tough because the creativity actually isn't as much of a problem as in past years, right? It used to be LeBron would go out and you were left with regular season Rondo, which is, <laughs> is not great. It'd be one thing if it was playoff Rondo and, and the Lakers could have tread water in some of those spots, but it was regular season Rondo and not much else in terms of creativity when LeBron is out in this one, you had Dennis Schroeder who I thought played hard at the very least Mm-hmm. Scores 22 points, uh, only three assists, but that's kind of the that's kind of my point here is that I it wasn't for lack of trying that he had three assists. He was just passing to Kyle Kuzma, who goes for who goes two for eight from three-point range. He was passing to Wesley Matthews, who was 0 of three point from three-point range. Uh KCP went one for four uh from three-point range, two of seven from the floor. Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, over two from three point range, six of 16 from the four. And, and it's just the Lakers need to find finishers. You know, they, they need somebody to step up and hit some of these threes. And, 
you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, so somebody asked for, for locked on Lakers um, mailbag, which I haven't quite recorded yet, but somebody asked like, what's the positive in all of this? Could you find a positive Mr. PR guy? And I said, well, <laughs> I think what I land on is so in this one, the Lakers shoot 28 free throws and they, and they miss nine of them, 19 of 28 from, from the free throw line. Uh, they had 11 turnovers in this one, which is okay. But, but, you know, for a team that is, that has such a small margin for error, like the, every single one of the turnovers hurt. And, and I think the quote, the closest thing to a positive, and, and I'm not necessarily calling it an outright positive, but the closest thing to one is that some of these guys are going to actually start understanding that they have a smaller margin for error and, and playing under these circumstances might help them succeed when they have larger, like it, the game becomes easier when those margins for error goes back up. So maybe they learn to play a little bit more efficiently right now. They get their shots off a little quicker. They make quicker decisions and those things, which make you better basketball players in general. And then whenever LeBron and AD come back, they, those things get, you know, normalized again, but they are now better suited for those circumstances. Those 98 mile an hour fastballs look like 92 mile an hour fastballs. That's the closest. <laughs> it's not much, but it's the, it's the very, very end of the rope that I'm hanging on to in, in this game. I just want to give you a small applause because I could have never remotely pulled out that PR answer. Uh, I don't disagree. I mean, they're going to have to learn how to contribute or sink, basically. Um, yeah. And, Which, you know, they might. They, they might just they sink. Have, and and they may. Today, yeah. My daughter, like, <laughs> decided she was going to just run head first into that pole and she sunk. <laughs> That I might her be, up, I promise I still have my daughter. But still. <laughs> the, and that might be a summary of what's to come in those next two weeks for the Lakers. <laughs> they may run headfirst into the water and just sink. Um, I, was, I was sitting there and I was like, there's no way. I, this is how I know that she's my daughter because the water was kind of chilly. <laughs> Jen wanted nothing to do with it. And I was like, oh, it's not that bad. So I just kind of waited in. And then Avery <laughs> just goes, whoa, Leroy <laughs> Jenkins. <laughs> You know, respect uh, to her. She knew you, you were going to come catch her, so she could just jump right in and, right. and never have to worry about it. Well, that's the margin for error thing. Is that when dad's around, there's a margin for error. <laughs> is so. LeBron dad in this situation? <laughs> right, right, right. When, okay. when LeBron's around, there's a margin for error. So Taylor Horton Tucker can just dive into the deep end. If you want. <laughs> I was uh, looking at this box score tonight. My my thought when I saw Wes Matthews' stat line is. Ooh, I don't know if he should start next game. And then I looked at the bench and it's like, well, Trez isn't starting. And if you're starting Caruso or THT, you're going even smaller. Yeah, it's going to be rough. I mean, Gasol at some point will be back. Um, I don't know when. I don't think the Lakers really know when yet. Um, So at some point he'll be back and that'll help a lot. Um, It'll take some of that burden um that playmaking burden off the guards i mean other than that if you're looking for positives i mean that with gasol might be one i mean we saw him um when ad was out kind of turn a corner a bit mm-hmm. um in the offense so maybe you can do some more stuff with him as 
a playmaker at the top of the key and whatnot. I mean, this Schroeder Trez pick and roll, I guess, is going to get really fine tuned in the next mm-hmm. two weeks. But um, I don't know. Other than that, it's going to be it's going to be rough. You're. I look at the shoot, the three-point shooting, five of 25 tonight. Like, I would imagine that would come around, but some of – like, Wes has struggled all all season long from three. I don't know how mm-hmm. much that will come around. Keith, the same. Like, kind of on your point, these guys are going to have to figure out how to contribute, especially if they're not going to be able to knock down three-point shots. Like, um, this is going to be a big test – in some ways as well as who's going to be able to step up come playoff time when you really need to find a way to contribute. Um, who's going to be ready to step into that role? Do you think the Lakers should make a move to help deal with the next few weeks? Or do you think they should try to ride this out and maintain a roster that is specifically built for LeBron James and Anthony Davis? See, I was I was considering that question um, while watching the game tonight. It's tough because, I mean, I keep going back to the beginning of the season when this team was playing its best basketball, really, and how good they looked um, when everybody was healthy, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. It never really seemed, I guess, like AD was healthy for much of the season. But whenever when we were at our max health, I guess – that team looked unstoppable. Right. Um, because of that, I don't know that I would really make any moves because you can still point to that in like that Christmas Day game against the Mavericks and stuff and say, look, when we're at our best, we look like we're playing. I mean, I came on here and said at times it looked like the Lakers were playing a different sport than the Hornets and Pelicans mm-hmm. when I was watching um, all three teams at the same time. So I would say no. It's going to result in taking a lot of lumps. So um, they're going to, I don't want to say plummet down the seedings, but they're going to fall pretty quickly down the playoff seedings. Um, I don't think that matters really, as long as everybody's at full strength. Yeah. Um, I would take the Lakers in any seven game series, really. Um, so I don't know how much that would matter, but. Uh, if they don't make a move, yeah, it's going to, it's going to lead to some ugly basketball for the next couple of weeks, but I don't really see the need for a win now move right now. Um, be, unless it's something and I don't, I don't have anything in mind, but unless it's something that also helps you when LeBron comes back, but yeah, it's going to be hard to find that. I should say LeBron and AD, it's going to be hard to find somebody who is willing to step up now, but also take a back seat in, a couple a month or so when those guys are back yeah i um i have some thoughts on that let's uh, let's come back to that after the break so i'm i'm mostly with you i'm mostly with you in saying that what the lakers like flat out cannot do is make some move that makes them better now, but worse in the long run. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, and, and, you know, such a move 
I'm not even going to use a, a specific player or whatever, but, but such a move might look something like trading. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of frustration with somebody like KCP right now. Right. And I think the kind of move that I think hurts the Lakers in the long run is trading KCP for somebody who can do, do more creative things right now, but isn't quite the finisher that KCP was come postseason last year. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of thing that that's the only kind of move that I would say I would like the Lakers to avoid at all costs, because the point, like if you're making a move to help you get to the postseason and it makes you worse than <laughs> you were with LeBron and AD out there, then that, that, that's that's creating a problem because I think they're going to get to the postseason anyway. Mm-hmm. That's 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 creating a problem to find a solution, and and I just don't think that you need to go in that direction there. Now, that said, could you? Is there a player on the market? Which I don't think there is, but is there a player on the market who can go out and get his shot a little bit better than KCP can? Because like that's one of the things that we really saw here is is if that initial pick and roll set, whatever whatever combination it was, didn't create something, the ball was going to a whole bunch of guys who, like for whatever reason, Kyle Kuzma just forgot how to dribble this year. It's, it's been <laughs> the weirdest thing. Uh, so, so and, and then, you know, it just kind of goes on down the line there. You had Markeith Morris trying those, those mid-post isolations that aren't very fruitful very often. And 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 like THT was trying, but eventually defenses are just gonna know, like, all right, he's 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 trying to do whatever he possibly can to get into the paint. And if we just back off a little bit more, he isn't gonna knock down a, a, a three and 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 you know, so on and so forth. And I think if the Lakers can find a move that gets you somebody who can get his own shot and then also is a decent catch and shoot type player alongside LeBron and alongside AD, then that's perfectly fine. If it costs you KCP, then that's perfectly fine. I just don't think that player is available. And I think such a player would take a lot more than just a KCP. Yeah. So one, the only player I can really think of that fits most of those things you were talking about that's on the market is Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Um, but it is really hard to piece together a trade for the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Financially to, to piece together a trade to make the money work. Um, and on top of that, you're going to have to attach a Taylor Horton Tucker probably to that trade, um, to swap mm-hmm. KCP for Oladipo. Um, I mean, that trade would even fall short. You would have to maybe throw in Jared Dudley or something. And then you're talking a three for one trade that probably doesn't work either. So mm-hmm. um, you're running into some issues financially there, but that's the only person on the market I can think of. And I would also imagine that there will be a better trade offer out there than KCP, Jared Dudley and THT for Al- uh, Oladipo. Yeah. yeah for, for Oladipo. So that's also the problem you're going to run into is that they're just simply isn't really going to be, Especially in a seller's market. Yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, the I mean, Christian and I talked a lot about whether to trade Trez or not. I really don't think you can do that now with LeBron and AD down, mm-hmm. unless it's for another forward. Just because they, I mean, we just talked about the size. If they don't have 
Markeith Morris was a starting center tonight. Um, you just literally can't afford to go without. If they trade Trez, then we're like one step away from Costas starting at the center <laughs> spot. Yeah. Um, so I think a mixture of um, it being too difficult to make many trades and just the, as we said, just how good the Lakers were with LeBron and AD that I think right now you just kind of hold the course and hope that, I mean, LeBron's a cyborg. So you hope that he heals at a quicker rate than us mortals. And then AD knock on wood should be back soonish. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of ride it out and hope for the best because um yeah, other than that, it's going I, – I just don't really see how you can make a trade for an impact player that doesn't kind of rock the ship too much. Yeah, that's that's where I've arrived mostly too. Um, last thing before we, before we move on to reviewing the Pelicans game, something that I think you're kind of uniquely qualified amongst uh, those of us who are on this feed to do, but – I I want to spend a little bit of time on like the fact that the league is a so desperate to collect on TV money B so desperate to get back to the usual schedule and, and C like still, I think, still i think uh, you know doing a piss poor job of also selling the notions for like the reasons yeah. for 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 those things like the, the, there's nothing the league is doing right in this case the games are too squished together the uh athletes are exhausted the the pr spin on it is non-existent and if it is existent it's like we're donating all-star proceeds to HBCUs that we definitely couldn't have done without the all-star game. It's like, no, like what you're generating all kinds of money, you know, that you're doing all of this. Uh, you're, 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 you're bastardizing the, the already tedious NBA season to be able to generate all these funds. Like you, you can't tell me that there isn't a, 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 an amount of money that you could have been able to, donate to hbcus in previous years right yep. and and so i get and and on top of all of that like what, what it's costing the the league is is brutal like we just joel Embiid has been out for a couple weeks now anthony davis has been out for going on two months now lebron james might be out for upwards of a, a month and a half uh lamella ball the most exciting rookie and somebody who like single-handedly transformed the Charlotte Hornets into like watchable, which is something no player in the history of the NBA since like Larry Johnson has done. And, and, and like, you're just seeing body after body, after body, after body drop. And, and my concern, Jacob, is that like, we might not even know the final, what what the outcome to all of this is going to be years down the road when you know have we has somebody derailed their career by trying to squeeze all these games in and by trying to compete at this level and 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 i think most guys especially superstars are smart enough to recognize 
what it takes to avoid those kind of scenarios, right? That's why you're seeing Anthony Davis sit out a little bit longer. Kevin Durant has been out for a little while. I think Joel Embiid is going to be smart about his injury and so on and so forth. But you're, you're still going to, there is going to come an athlete uh, who says, no, I need to be out there for this next, for this extra week that I maybe should otherwise be rehabbing this injury. And does that have long lasting impacts on multiple careers moving forward? And then by extension, by multiple, on multiple organizations moving forward and all that for, for scheduling. <laughs> yeah. For money. And, with, and, and without, and without explanation, any explanation, like if it is a scheduling thing, sell me on why exactly it's so important to get back to the typical October to July type season. Explain that to me beyond, well, you know, we crunched some numbers and, you know, we, we, just, we weren't particularly happy with how last year went, even though like part of the explanation for how poorly the ratings looked last year is because everybody was in the middle of a, a pandemic that stopped some people from paying rent, let alone their cable bills. Like you have, you have any number of explanations as to why, the numbers might have looked down before, and we're just kind of left here guessing at what what the what the league is actually trying to do here. And 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 all the while, these players are told, "Nope, there won't be an All Star game." Actually, nope, take that back. We're gonna have an All Star game. No, 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 we won't even have an All Star weekend. We'll just take a few days. Nope, it's gonna be a full on All Star weekend. It's all all gonna be jumbled into this one thing. And 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 like, yes, you're gonna have freak injuries no matter what. Like it's a, it's a competitive sport. It's a physical sport and those things are going to happen. But if you add to those freak injuries, wear and tear injuries, now you're talking about large chunks of rotational minutes that all, all of these teams are dealing with losses. Not, not even to mention the damn pandemic that we're playing through. <laughs> I was going to mention COVID, but yeah, no. And we're doing it all amidst a when you started that segment talk, talking about not knowing the effects i thought you were talking about covid that too yeah but jason so, tatum hasn't been right all year he's he has said yeah. himself that he's like no nah, i don't i don't really know i haven't been able to breathe properly a, a professional athlete hasn't been able to get his lungs back and von miller has said the same thing uh playing for the denver broncos you have all of these guys who catch this thing Marcus Saul has been out for I think 18 days was the number I saw out there on Twitter today. And, and, and we don't know what he's going to look like moving forward. And, and again, I just ask if we are supposed to know why the schedule is set up the way that it is, or that they're, they're doing so much to generate as much revenue as they possibly can. Like, Tell, I need more clarity on the on the numbers, what the numbers would look like if they didn't do these things. Like, what's the trade-off here? Is, is, is the trade-off in the nine-figure range? Is it in the, is it in the, the, the eight-figure range? Is it closer to 10, where we're talking about potential billions of dollars? Then, then okay, I, I would understand why the NBA the is, is really focused on getting things back to normal. But if we're talking about a hypothetical outcome here and we aren't really sure what the losses might be while we see firsthand what the losses actually are in terms of guys who are missing time, then, then I, I would say that the, the latter thing is what should take precedent here. Yeah. At what point is the financial loss greater than the 
player loss that we're suffering right now. Um, and I would, unfortunately, I imagine the answer is much greater than we're at now. Like it'll take a lot more players getting hurt for them to consider this a mistake. Um, I mean, one other player that you didn't mention, Mo Bamba got COVID in July and couldn't even start the season on time. He was still mm-hmm. dealing with the effects. So, um, yeah, there. it's been a mess all season long, this scheduling. This isn't anything new, but, I mean, I think it hit home in, in more ways this weekend with the Lakers and – I mean, the Hornets as well have had to – they've had a ton of injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, and they used to keep track. I don't know anymore. I won't won't be able to look it up. But in terms of, like, man games lost, the Hornets would be up there probably first. And they play – so to start the second half – and I'm not saying that the Hornets played more than anyone. I'm sure other teams did this. The first nine days of the second half of the regular season, they played six times. Um, and those last three or the last three of those were three games in four days on a West Coast road trip. Like, I'm with you in that. I think we need some type of more clarity as to what was at stake if this season one, if the season didn't take place, like at the time it at the time they started it, which was clearly too soon. (laughs) <laughs> like the yeah. the top four or the final four teams left um in the bubble were just not good for the most at the beginning of the year the lakers were decent and then now they're going through it um and why they needed to play 72 games like if they were going to abbreviate the season i don't know if there was a reason 72 games was picked well, I think that that almost directly coincides with the number of games needed to meet the requirements of local TV deals throughout the country. Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, that's right. Again, though, that's just. Then stretch the season out more like this is right. such a this is such a mess that is costing us the best players, the most exciting players and like you said, we don't know for how long, like this, there's other issues, which I could rant on, but LaMelo played half a game. He played the second half with a broken right wrist. <laughs> like, and he, like you said, there's guys that want to stay out there and he wanted to stay out there and keep playing. And it's just stuff like that. where like, what type of effects may that may not ultimately impact LaMelo long-term, but that doesn't mean it may not for another guy. And like you said, that that injury was kind of a freak injury. LaMelo's LeBron's was a freak injury, but it's, it's also where you play all these games, you wear your body down. And then when these freak instances occur, your body's too weak to right handle it basically well that's the other thing is that like is there is there a correlation between some of the freaking like the free even the freak injuries are those taking place because a player is too tired to avoid said freak situation right and, mm-hmm. and like so 
again, this is just posturing. This is just pseudo analysis, pseudoscience, if you will. But uh, the Lakers are playing against somebody, uh, Solomon Hill, right? Who was on that Miami Heat team, right? And Solomon Hill, therefore, is one of the guys who doesn't have as much rest as, as the rest of the league. Cause they were playing against the Lakers in that final series. And like, does a not as tired Solomon Hill make the decision to dive it at LeBron's like in the general vicinity of LeBron's knees is LeBron more capable of bouncing away from that contact if he's not as tired as, as he had been for, for the majority of the last month or so, especially. And, and I, again, I don't know. I'm, I'm legitimately asking the question because I do not know uh, if, but I, I do think given what the NBA, <laughs> what the, with the schedule makers and what the league is asking of these guys, it kind of forces us to ask those questions. If you aren't going to give me it, it's, it's rule number one of PR. If you don't tell your truth, somebody else is going to tell it for you. And they aren't going to tell that truth in the way in, in, as well or as clearly as you could tell it about yourself. And so like when, when there's so many questions about how all of these things are going down and why they're going down the way that they are, the, 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 the fan or the analyst is now responsible for finding their version of the truth or the closest thing to their version of the truth as they can find. And that's just where we kind of are. That, that's where we're at with this season. And, and like, yes, does this rant coincide with LeBron James going out? Absolutely. It, it also coincides with Anthony Davis going out. And, and that, went at, that, that took place weeks prior. It also coincides with a, a lot of really exciting NBA players who are missing time right now or might not be 100%. As we enter, like, this is, we still have, like, 30 games to go. <laughs> like, yeah, I was just about to say that. We have just shy of two more months of the regular season left. Yeah, before, before we get to a postseason, that's even yeah. more grueling. Yeah, that's what I, that that was a, the last one I was going to make, is that we also, I mean, this isn't the end of it, basically. Yeah. And that. That was the other thought I had this weekend as well. As you said, it was a rough weekend. I, I did some, <laughs> so um, uh, just some thinking about like, what are we doing basically? <laughs> like, right. um, because yeah, on Saturday I watched LeBron. That I mean, that was a nasty looking injury, and then seven hours later, Lamelo has a fairly innocuous injury that ends his season, and it's just like for what <laughs> like right why are we smashing all this into games and empty arenas in most places still well i won't say most places at best slightly occupied arenas and all to try to get this back onto a normal schedule again i don't know why um i just basically Fear that we're going to look back on this season as like a big mistake basically mm -hmm. and i mean I, I obviously i hope nobody else gets hurt but yeah. my worry is that this isn't the end of it like these little these 
like we said, kind of freak injuries are just going to keep piling up. And it, I, I just worry like who might get injured next. Like, yeah. It, I, and I hate having that feeling watching NBA games. Like I want to watch NBA games and enjoy them, not watch them and think, Oh, I hope this guy doesn't get hurt. Or I hope these guys are healthy the whole season. Yeah. We just, you know, it's reached that point. Just like, just like for, for the Lakers for the next few weeks, as we await more clarity on, on the bronze injury itself, it might be considered a good sign that he was able to travel. You know, he was there in a boot, but usually with ankle sprains that are bad enough, if the, you, you don't normally take something like that on a plane for concern of swelling and, and, and what the elevation does to it. So the fact that he went there now, maybe it was to, to celebrate his one of his closest friends and Chris Paul crossing 10,000 assists. Maybe that's something that he was doing. Uh, but still, you know, if the doctors say no, the doctors say no on something like that. And that's kind of where LeBron would normally be. So maybe he is the Android that we think uh, he might be, and he's, he's able to come back sooner, but you know, the Lakers and the NBA kind of find themselves in this, in this kind of awkward holding pattern as the game's biggest face is, is going through an injury that yes, it was a freak injury, but you know, given, given we, we saw, we've seen it with Kobe. We saw exactly what happens to an athlete who even while are, they are incredibly focused on keeping their body fresh, staying as in good a shape as they possibly can. Eventually the body says enough is enough and something gives. And in Kobe's case, it was the Achilles. And in LeBron's case, you know, it was this freak injury, but it, imagine if it is just something giving it, imagine if it, like if it is a wear and tear injury, then what NBA, like the, the potentially Kobe's entire career was derailed by that. It is the league willing to risk having its biggest star potentially derail his career for for an extra month closer to a, a the, the typical regular season and i just think it's it's a little short-sighted on my part yeah and to just to kind of close the point we keep saying freak injury but there are freak injuries that are occurring all over the league yeah like Embiid's was a freak injury more or less just kind of a, an awkward landing after a dunk and the Pacers have had, I mean, they haven't had like TJ. I'm just looking at the scoreboard. That's why I'm bringing some of these teams up. The Pacers haven't had TJ Warren for most of the season. Mm-hmm. And Lonzo has missed a handful of games this season. And it's just uh, uh, the list goes on and on. Portland didn't have CJ McCollum for a good chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. So like, at what point do we attribute all these quote unquote freak injuries to something Kimba Walker didn't play for Boston for a good chunk of the year. Now that was a knee injury that's bugged him for a while, but still like Mm -hmm. these types of things are adding up. I'd like to also assume that LeBron went on this road trip to try to convince Zion to sign with clutch. (laughs) Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. That helps everybody involved. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, going to be interesting now tomorrow as you guys are listening to this this current lakers team 
suddenly does not match up well at all with the Pelicans. Like, who's guarding Zion on tu- on Tuesday? You gonna? Th- yeah, I was gonna say you gonna. I still remember. It had to be last season, obviously. Kuzma just getting absolutely bullied and dunked on mm-hmm. by Zion. So you're not throwing him on him. Uh, you can try to throw Keith on him, but they have Steven Adams as well. Um, I don't know. It's going to be – the Pelicans right now are a funky team. They are since – let me pull it, pull it up to make sure. Yeah, since the start of February – they have the league's best offense, better mm-hmm. than the Nets, and the league's second worst defense. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is. It might made, not matter though with the Lakers. Yeah, that, fortunate, that number might get better. It's probably going to get better. They so, I'm sure most of you have heard the historically terrible rate the Kings were on for most of the season. I don't know if they're still. Let me look real quick. Um. Yeah, I think I think they're still on track to have the worst defense of all time. Uh, the Kings, since the start of February, they are only marginally worse than the Pelicans. Um, <laughs> one of my so for Lonzo Wire for before every game we have to do a, a betting post and for I mean roughly since the start of February we have to offer advice for what we would say the bet is. And since the start of February, I've just said, take the over. Like they <laughs> haven't set a number high enough in 90% of these games where I wouldn't recommend taking over. That's free. If it, if it's legal where you're from or where you live, there's your free betting advice. Take the over for Tuesday's <laughs> game because it's hit. I would take the over and I would take whatever Zion's over as many overs as you can take because Earnestly, I don't know who's going to guard him on this Lakers team. Like, maybe if nobody Mar- effectively, yeah, maybe if Marcus Gasol's back, he's a he's able to move into the starting lineup, and then you put Keith on him or something. I don't know. Nobody's going to effectively be able to. Um, uh, <laughs> it's weird because what? When did AD get hurt? A couple weeks ago. So. Three weeks ago, if you'd have told me how would this Lakers team match up with the Pelicans, I would say they'd like run them off the floor. I fear it might be the other way might. on uh, on on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It might it might get ugly. We'll see. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. Make sure you guys are tuning in across this entire feed to stay up to date on uh, the LeBron injury information, uh, any kind of uh deadline deals that might be approaching any type of buyout deals that might be approaching we're gonna react to any of the reports on this feed and then obviously on silverscreenroll.com uh until next time i'm anthony irwin that's jacob rude how to go have a good one